Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 42 of Hypnosis Weekly. friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a force awakening star destroyer of a show lined up for you today. In a short while, I'll be sharing with you an interview with this week's guest, Jason Lynette. Then I'll be looking at the hypnosis in the news stories, examining the media where hypnosis is featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media, but also comment on some of the content of some of those media stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Jason Lynette. We shall be exploring his approach to business development for hypnotherapists. We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of the guests that I have on the show here, and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the past and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. That's Hypnosis Weekly with a hyphen in the middle dot com. You can add your thoughts, comments, make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. So first of all today is this week's interview. It's with great pleasure that I welcome Jason Lynette to Hypnosis Weekly. Jason was mentioned to me by one of our former guests and I went and explored him and his work following the rave review that was offered up to me. What I discovered online was an incredibly vibrant, energetic and articulate individual with a major passion for hypnosis, who also had a hypnosis podcast and was busy helping lots of other hypnotherapists to be effective with their businesses. Hailing from Virginia in the US and a fellow runner, I was really looking forward to speaking to him. I'm going to be inquiring about his business development approach later, as I've already said, but for now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume, sip on your tea, enjoy this week's interview. So, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to welcome the one and only Mr. Jason Lynette to Hypnosis Weekly. Jason, welcome. Adam, so good to be here. So, um, um, let's, let's dive straight in with today's interview. Tell me, how did you get into this field? Tell us a bit about your background and how you've arrived at this the, the, these lofty heights where you are now. Yeah, I love the, the whole superhero origin story as a way of jumping into things. And there's always, I'd give you the side note before officially yeah. answering, which is that from all these different angles, we can always ap approach the story from different places. Yeah. So, you know, to go back to the superhero origin 
maybe it was Spider-Man getting uh, Peter Parker getting bit by the radioactive spider that that's the reason why. Though <laughs> then again, maybe it's this horrible thing that happened to his uncle and that's the reason, reason why he became Spider-Man. So there's always this interesting aspect of really how we twist our own experience, how we twist our own story and really let that become that defining moment of this is what brought me into it. Right. For for me, it was one that I had a hobby doing magic as a kid and there was this there was this passion towards it and I can admit uh, and there was some validation that I was pretty good at it. I did some uh, national competitions and I won. And it was this thing, though, that there was still a dissatisfaction with it, that there was something false about it, that yeah. if I could really do these things, well, here's here's something that I did that I came in second. Again, it was actually an international competition. Yet, if I could really do magic, why would I be walking around with these turn-of-the-century silver dollars and converting them into Chinese coins and playing with these coins that were five inches big? And what the hell does that have to do with anything? If I could really do magic, you would simply say, I'm hungry. I could go for a ham sandwich. And I would slap my hands together and boom, there would be a ham sandwich. Mm. So from that journey, it became one of how do I add the validity. And I looked at the whole what's now called mentalism, the mind reading uh, aspect of it, which I believe over where you are, mentalism means something entirely different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it could be a fairly ambiguous term. Yeah, yeah. So but still, if I could really read your mind, why would I have you write down the word? It again would be the think of this, okay, this is what you're thinking. So it's from that that several voices were suggesting, as it were, hypnosis. And about mm. that time, I was going into college to go through management for the arts. I was actually looking at being someone behind the scenes in theater as a stage manager. And that that is a career that I followed professionally and became a member as a union member, as a stage manager of Actors Equity Association, uh, as I phrased it, the not the creative part, but the job of creatively managing the creative people, which if that's not psychological training, <laughs> I, I don't know what is. So it's a moment, though, where it's my, it's my welcome week at college, and here comes a gentleman by the name of Tom DeLuca. Tom DeLuca is a stage hypnotist, and he gets up and he does this presentation. I've already been having hypnosis suggested to me. I see it now in front of me, and something begins to click, and I'm hooked. So it became this ravenous journey from that point forward of – these were the early days of eBay. What could I buy online? Uh, buying things online on my own, going to various workshops. Uh, the moment anything, I was still dabbling my toes in the magic and mentalism community, and anybody who was doing anything that was hypnotic in nature, as it were, became something that I was quickly, quickly grasping onto. So the benefit of working in professional theater as a stage manager mm. was the fact that I had a bit of a balanced schedule. Sometimes I was a nine to five employee sitting in a rehearsal hall. And then other days we were then in the six to eight weeks of a professional run. And I was only working six thirty in the evening till about maybe 11 o'clock at night, yeah. which left the entire day wide open to incubate and work on what I wanted to be working on. So I was occasionally seeing the client. At this point, I was now doing some stage hypnosis programs. 
And I was working to be a little strategic in the early days by deciding, you know what, here seems like what the good five-year plan is. I'm, I'm at this point, I was engaged to my wife now, and sort of looking ahead, and it's a moment where the phrase that I always come back to is the phrase that just because you're good at something does not mean you have to do it the rest of your life. Right. So it's a moment where one of my mentors in the theatrical management community looked at me right before the Christmas holidays and just basically – and everyone was upset that there was going to be a rehearsal on Christmas Eve was, was the scenario. And she said, well, you just have to accept that as this is part of your life, talking of theater, uh, this is your life and you really can't have much of a personal life. And I don't know how big infomercials are over where you are, though the phrase of, quote, there's got to be a better way yeah. clicked. <laughs> and I just thought, okay, well, here's this five-year plan. And to shortcut the story, uh, within about four or five months, I put in my notice and I have not looked back. Wow. So it was this place of jumping in and I, I'd really share from the – from the practical strategy, there's something to be said about positioning yourself in a place where, no, this is going to work. This is what I'm going to do. Mm. So the origins at that point were mostly stage hypnosis. Over here, I work with quite a number of schools and corporate groups. And then gradually, that morphed into seeing more clients and then bringing on the training as well. So these days, I'd say about Maybe 70% of my time is spent with individual clients. About 20% of my time is spent teaching others who either want to learn hypnosis or, as I phrase it, already do hypnosis and want to do it better. Yeah. Or the other 10% is still that remaining stage hypnosis connection, which admittedly are a lot of the past clients I'd already worked with that there's just a working relationship and I go yeah. back year after year. Yeah, yeah. Um, um I love to hear about that, and I love that 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 the five year plan was done in five months. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, 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 so, so tell me, let's um, let, let's kind of drill into the, the hypnosis subject a little bit. Tell us a little bit how how do you define hypnosis, and perhaps you could tell us a little bit about how you arrived at that definition. Um, you know, how do you explain it? You know, if you explain it to clients or or someone's cornered you in the in the corner of the kitchen at the party, kind of thing. How, how do you, how do you explain it? Tell us. It's one of those topics that I'd always give the filter on. It depends on who you're talking to. Right. It depends on – It's as a side note, it's the conversation of hypnotic depth. Yeah. Okay. That for the individual client, that may mean something of a more subjective nature. What are they feeling? What are they becoming aware of? What's going on? When from the practitioner standpoint – we may be measuring depth by means of various hypnotic phenomenon, depending on what scale, what style of training, what approach you're using. Yeah. So on a similar note, here's a moment where we're interacting with a client. And it's where, depending on what information I feel is going to be necessary for you to truly understand this, that's where we're going to begin to branch off. So it's where I'm going to give you multiple answers. And in many ways, it's the standing on the shoulders of the greats type mm. response. I, I always go back to the classic Dave Elman bypassing the critical faculty of the conscious mind, mm -hmm. followed by the automatic acceptance of selective thinking in the subconscious mind, which the thing that I love about that is that 
First of all, well, let's throw in the little quick side note that it doesn't actually reference relaxation in any way whatsoever. Yeah. And Great. man, have we become a community that is um, hypno-relaxation based when in most hypnotic depth scales, the first stage is some form of catalepsy, which is a complete relaxation of a group of muscles. But then again, it's also a complete and total rigidity of a group of muscles. Mm. So here's your client in an arm lock. They're not relaxed in that moment, but that's clearly a hypnotic phenomenon. So relaxation is a side effect. It's a benefit. It's a byproduct of the experience. Yet more importantly, back to that Dave Elman definition, bypassing conscious awareness followed by automatic response. There are so many things that we can unpack from that phrasing, yeah. which first and foremost, it becomes that moment in which we can actually define whatever reporting issue our client is going through as already being hypnotic phenomenon. Mm. You're driving in your car and you know you're perfectly safe, yet because you're on the highway now, you're terrified. Mm -hmm. You are the most qualified, most experienced person in the room, yet he's the, tra he's the teacher who's now feeling nervous speaking in public. Here you are knowing those cigarettes are killing you, those foods are just completely destroying your health, and yet there you are continuing to do those things, mm. which at that point, if I'm in the interaction with a potential client on the phone, I get to say it kind of tongue-in-cheek, well, congratulations, you're already doing hypnosis. Absolutely. I get to show you how to do it better, yeah. <laughs> which, which with that little bit of a phrase, my true opinion becomes at that point that the pre-talk is done by courtesy, sure. that we dissolve away the fears, the misconceptions, the myths of hypnosis by just simply pointing out, you're already doing this stuff. I'm just going to show you how to do it better. Mm -hmm. the, the other aspect of that phrase, there's so much beauty packed into that tightly wound phrase from Dave Elman, followed by the, selective, the automatic acceptance of selective thinking. We've become a culture in hypnosis that, in many ways, I think this is valuable, and I do this, and it's something that is, is definitely important, the teaching of hypnotic strategies throughout the process. Yeah. Yet, it's something that we should take a step back and consider what our goal is of doing that. Here's, here's a person who called me a few months ago. And their request was, I need to find better strategies to deal with my fear of flying. To which, for me, the obvious follow-up question is, so you'd like to continue to have that fear of flying and just deal with it better? <clears throat> and they actually responded, yes, to that. And my response was, again, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. What about if you were able to fly on the airplane and it was just so completely a non-issue that you didn't have to concern yourself with it? Oh, I can do that? Yeah, why don't we shoot for that? That's typically of what I do with clients here. So it's where, assume for a moment, here's the person coming in to quit smoking. If I told you, this is very simple, just tap yourself on the forehead 18 times, and on the 18th tap, that urge will go away. And they're sitting there smacking themselves on the forehead 17, 18. <laughs> could that work? Yes, it absolutely could. Yet, has it truly produced a hypnotic change? And my answer to that is no, it hasn't, because all you've done is given them some sort of conscious distraction away from the actual issue, as opposed to, there's a phrase that's been popping up in my process recently, which is the 
teaching of methods in the style of the Mission Impossible television program or mm. movies as well, which is that this method will self-destruct. Not to say that it's going to stop working, but more so the fact that you're just not going to need it after a couple of passes, mm. where I would much better prefer, Adam, you're my client, and I've taught you something, and you're in front of me. Now, here, here's an example from yesterday. A uh, woman wanting to quit, quit biting her nails, and I taught her a hypnotic process, uh, basically a variation of a swish pattern, and she's now in front of me, and in her words, well, my hands are just hands now. I haven't even had to use that technique at all. And I'd rather be hearing that than the classic doctor moment of take two, call me in the morning because she just hasn't needed that process. So again, bypassing critical awareness followed by the automatic acceptance of that change. That's how I want to define it these days. Mm. You unpack all of that and the side definition, we are heightening levels of suggestibility. And in my opinion, I think we need to upgrade. I think we need to change our language. I think there still are some connotations with the word suggestibility. And let's instead begin to rebrand it as receptivity. Mm. It's the mind's ability to take in information and truly integrate it, truly put it into use. And again, the automatic response, as if that's how it's always been. That's how, that's where we should be pointing within our change process from, from the stage hypnosis environment to, to twist this language a little bit further. What I would mention is actually a moment where I went to go see a local stage hypnotist and he didn't have a big audience and, uh, he is calling up his volunteers and he then turns around to look at his committee of, uh, of subjects and they're all high school kids, and I'm just sitting in the middle of them, big smile on my face, uh, because I can admit, hypno-junkie as well. So <laughs> it's that moment where I am fully engaged in the program. I am, to his credit, deeply hypnotized, yet I gathered a greater appreciation of that Dave Elman phrase of bypassing the critical faculties, because my experience in that moment, I'm a very auditory person. Here, Here we are with a podcast host interviewing another podcast host. So it's a moment where yeah. I was I was responding to the hypnotic suggestions and then I was hearing them. Mm. So it was a moment of, oh, that's my variation of bypassing critical faculties. I'm doing it and then noticing the novelty of it afterwards. Mm. So mm. to take that to take that Yes, it's auditory, but really it's still a kinesthetic experience of, well, that's what that's like, where it doesn't need to be the perform this series of actions, find a dark room for 45 minutes to listen to this CD I've given you. Yeah. Instead, to be in that place where I just don't care about that alcohol. I just don't – I'm in the elevator and now I'm bored. I'm in this environment that used to be phobic-inducing and now I'm just – comfortable or as the as the nail biter I referenced uh, mentioned her hands are just hands now to associate to that new normal that's that's really my perspective of not only what we do as hypnosis but what hypnosis is really all about mm, mm. Uh, do you know what we would have uh, a 14 hour show today if 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 I asked all the questions that I want to ask with regards <laughs> to that I'm um, so much uh, uh, crammed into there um, so beautifully thank you um you mentioned Dave Elman there um, um who, who I'm guessing is, is is an influence um of yours 
tell tell me about tell me about your major influences in this field um jason perhaps some of the books some of the authors that have taught you most teachers that have been most influential upon you and and perhaps you'd you'd share some of the reasons why yeah absolutely I, and i'd give some of the lineage here with the first reference to the favorite quote from a training atmosphere would be that from michael elner which would be i heard him one time say learn from people who disagree with each other yeah. Which the the side note to that statement, though, is that as we use that phrase, learn from people who disagree with each other, there still is this aspect of, wow, all of these people still like each other. And here we all together at various conventions and we're hanging out. So it's a moment where here's someone who was asking for a referral for a hypnotist in New York City. And I mentioned five or six people. And consciously i can think these people all work differently than the others yet they're going to get the same response so it's where that's that as roy hunter would put it it's the art of hypnosis mm. so my stage hypnosis training really i'd say i can give full shape of that uh, originally to jeffrey ronning uh who really helped to take a lot of what i had already been looking at and just compact it down to a much more concise much more in, in a Charles Tebbett style, a deal with what emerges, which is not based in scripts. It's instead based in processes. He's very much Dave Elman uh, inspired as well. Yeah. Uh, the name of my first official big certification course was, was with Sean Michael Andrews, who again is also very Dave Elman in his style. And yeah. that's a friendship that's uh, continued on ever since then as well. I, I mentioned Michael Elner that in many ways, uh, well, back to Sean Michael Andrews, uh, there's a quote of his that I love, which is the, and he's talking about like a street hypnosis environment, which I don't, I don't do too much of, uh, just because it's not really a passion of mine. I think it's interesting. Mm. It's just, it's just not something that I do. Though the line was in terms of hypnotic phenomenon, once you stick them to one thing, you can stick them to something else. Yeah. <laughs> which was yeah. describing a moment of hypnotic phenomenon of the hand is stuck to their leg. Now the other hand can stick to their hip. Now their foot can stick to the floor, yeah. which basically what he's talking about there is just the art of compounding of suggestions, yeah. which from that it began to spiral out. And that's my whole philosophy of change working with clients now where there's an internal dialogue, which admittedly this is not voiced and appropriately so, that I am less and less concerned with your problem and I am more and more concerned about how do we associate you into that desired outcome so much so that that old issue just doesn't fit anymore. Let's mm. completely negate a reality where backsliding is possible. Here's an email I got this morning from a client who was wanting to cut out junk foods. And she snapped a photo from some local bakery where they've got all the dough uh, rolled out, the big window, and people would line up to watch all these confectionaries and all these things being made. And she goes, this looks absolutely disgusting to me now, <laughs> which is beautiful because I never yeah. suggested aversion to her. But again, it's that once you stick them to one thing, you can stick them to something else. Let's compound the change to associate you into the outcome that's desired where that old issue doesn't fit. Mm. In terms of an overall approach, a lot of names begin to spill in. I'm, I'm someone that if you meet up with me at a hypnosis convention and I've got a table in the exhibit hall, my table is more likely empty than it is with me standing there because I'm going to workshops, I'm attending stuff as well, I'm still learning. Mm. So 
there's a style that I've kind of gleaned from people like Michael Elner from Melissa Tears to really understand that it's not just the individual techniques that we're using, but also the entire attitude that the process surrounds, which the phrase, and I forget where I first, whether I picked this up or whether I kind of developed it myself, the the difference between doing hypnosis versus at times just simply being hypnotic. Mm. And I love that as a concept where I only want to go into the formal close your eyes, follow this process aspect of hypnosis once we have already chipped away at that, at that issue so heavily that it's already on the ground and it's already not working as well as it used to be. Yeah. I mean, the, the beauty of a lot of the classic books in hypnosis, the, the books that were really transcriptions of Richard Bandler and John Grinder, and it's a style of writing that I just really love because you, you get the feel of what it was like to actually be in the room with these individuals as yeah. well. Uh, interacting with Jerry Kine's information over the years, <clears throat> a fair amount of Roy Hunter as well. And it's one of these aspects where as a trainer – I would often point out there's the student responsibility of learning that mm. sometimes we do have those moments where here is this one specific piece of information that I need and to begin to seek out those people that are presenting those theories, those premises, that style, that approach to it as well. So from all different sources, from all different places, just this mishmash of discovering your own style. And I think... It's a fair statement when you start to get to that place of, I think this is mine, but it may have come from this person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's that aspect of going, okay, that's what the voice is. <laughs> I, I can't think of, I, I mean, I can even, and of course I'd be respectful and not mention specific names. I can, I can reference back to two-day events I sat through that would have been phenomenal two-hour workshops, but were kind of very heavily padded two-day workshops. Yeah. Yet, because I left with one nugget of wisdom that I could make use of, worth my time, worth my money. I can mention seven, eight, nine-day classes I've taken, which would have been phenomenal four-hour workshops, one-day events, and likewise yeah. as well, moments of just simply having a conversation with this one person or watching a video clip of theirs on YouTube and that's what I was missing. That's mm. what had to be there and to drop everything and go, I'm going to go hang out with that person for a couple of days and just see what happens. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I like to hear that. And, and I like to hear about that kind of, um, um, the culture of being, you know, in one's individual internal culture of being a continual student and receptive to, to always wanting to tweak and tune and develop. Um, I, I, I mentioned what are, I mentioned one other name here, which yeah. the, the information in many ways goes back to Richard Bandler, John Grinder, then really pioneered by Robert Diltz. But in my interactions with it, uh, I'd give a plug for uh, Doug O'Brien and specifically his training with the NLP concept of sleight of mouth, mm -hmm. which while the individual techniques, the individual language patterns are something that I found to be absolutely phenomenal – it became a whole philosophy in terms of how I just go into that interaction of my business, of my stage programs, of my client sessions, of even my personal life. 
that the description that I gleaned from Doug O'Brien on Slide of Mouth is that a verbal Aikido, let me take in that mm. energy, that belief system that you're feeding me, let me now deliver it right back to you in a way that it's now shifted using your own map of the world. And it's from that place that this really, I'd say, the sleight of mouth category is probably the overriding philosophy of everything I do in my own life. Mm. To let to let this one thing that someone else could label as the challenge instead now become every reason why this is the absolute best time for you to make this change and this is going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. Mm. That we, we often go into that thing with the with the reasons why we don't yet have the results. And instead, to harness those reasons as every reason why I can absolutely do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, that's some that that's some credit. I really appreciate that. Um, um, tell us then throughout throughout the, your work, throughout your experience, throughout your exploration of this field. Um, tell me what's been some of the most or, or one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've directly witnessed. There's so many examples pop to mind, which mm. that kind of introduction means I'm vamping for time as I think of specific stories. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's about where someone goes, that's a fabulous question. What does that mean they're figuring out what to say next? Uh, I, that could be answered from so many different directions. I mean, on one side, it could be things that I've noticed clients achieve, things that have happened where it, it's a moment where sometimes the hypnotic result was not the hypnotic result you were going after. I, I mean, the first story that comes to mind was actually an unintended moment of I'm doing a, a program at a high school, and it's a senior class assembly. It's kind of the end of the year event, and there's a positive message mixed into the program. And I, I would never go so far as to say I had a rough childhood. I would never say I had a rough upbringing. I definitely wasn't bullied. Uh, I was definitely fitting into the categories of the overweight 18-year-old who uh, didn't do any sports and was involved with theater and uh, did magic tricks and card tricks. So um, hmm. whatever challenge I may have faced may have been self-induced. <laughs> so maybe that that kind of a thought and definitely a sort of a click sort of a you know us versus them mindset um of educational and environments is perhaps helpful to kind of uh premise give the premise for this story yeah. that it's a moment where i i'm someone who always wants to break structure my my stage hypnosis program ends small it doesn't end with everybody is up and dancing and doing something crazy. It ends with one person on stage with me doing something rather small and very, very unique. And I, I like that. And it's still a very impressive moment. So to fast forward the story, I'm doing this. And it's a moment where it's usually getting a huge laugh. And the audience is silent. Mm -hmm. And I see the administration and I see the faculty kind of waving their arms, trying to get my attention to try to tell me something, which I am now dipping into my own programming and playing the game of uh, this audience isn't laughing because I didn't get the popular kid to do this bit. I hate that. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and the faculty, <laughs> this is probably the kid that everyone's giving a hard time. He, he yeah. kind of looked like me at that age. Um, <laughs> he, he, everyone is giving him a hard time and they don't want him up there because it's going to give him more fodder to go off and continue to do these things. And I could not have been more wrong. 
Uh, this student had not been at school for about five or six weeks, and it's a moment where he was popping into the school to get his homework because he was, well, let's go there. He was getting brain surgery and uh, healing at home and keeping up with as much homework as he could, yet because he's now at the school and, oh, there's assembly today. That sounds fun. And he shows up to it, and he's now one of my stars of the show. Right. It's a moment, though, where he got to have that moment to break away from everything else. His mother is in tears after the program because she hasn't seen him smiling and laughing in weeks. And it's a moment where he walks over to me at the end and he goes, and the entry into me learning all of this, you know, I've had a headache for the last couple of weeks and it's completely gone now. And I go, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, I just had brain surgery. And it turns out the faculty was flailing their arms to go, don't let him move around so much. He might still be healing. <laughs> so it's a moment where, I mean, all discomfort went away. The mother had wow. this visceral reaction, and yeah. he got to break away from what he was doing up until then. I mean, it's it's like a moment where here's a guy who's a local major business owner in my office and he's quitting smoking and to say it respectfully, he very clearly left something off of his medical history on the forms that I provided to him. And I'm basically in my mind having to somehow take his side on this, which is the, maybe he was concerned that if I found out he had Parkinson's disease, I'd turn him away. Right. And again, let's go back to sleight of mouth. Uh, you can continue to have Parkinson's and you can do so still as a non-smoker is my initial response to that. Mm. Though he never brought it up and I was going to be respectful. Though I am, there I am in that first session and he's now deeply hypnotized. I'm going through the process with him. And it's a moment of reach down and pick up my jaw off the floor because <laughs> this guy is now completely still. Wow. All of the tremors, all of the shaking, all of the twitching is completely gone. Yeah. And it's a moment where he's back in front of me next week. And <laughs> first things first, he hasn't smoked at all. Fantastic. Uh, second thing, I then just go, there's something you left off the forms the last time you were here. And his response was perfect just to go, is it that obvious? It's mm. like, well, yeah, I've got some family friends that have the similar condition and uh, from my perspective and I just said it you can continue to have that condition and just do so and be a non-smoker from the way I look at it he goes I didn't know if you'd take that side of it I thought you might turn away so thank you for doing that and followed yeah. by the moment of me going but here's what happened <laughs> and we'll censor it in his words blank the cigarettes teach me how to do that thing so I can be still. And we did not, of course, get full eradication of the, uh, of the Parkinson's symptoms. Mm. Yet in his words, he now could gain control over it. Right. So he could actually be there giving a speech, giving a presentation, and go to that place in his mind to completely steady the body. Yeah. Which it's these moments where... I refer to it as just that structure of change where a client may call us and they may have a laundry list of items and perhaps we choose the strategy of what's the most important thing do you address first? And as we get the foot in the door with one issue, suddenly other things are breaking loose. Yeah. 
because it's opening up that yeah. place of oh again there's there's got to be a better way i'm not as stuck as i thought i was in the beginning yeah um i i have such a large smile on my face when you were talking about that um um to me you know that's it it, it it's central to to my initial raison d'etre with regards to being a hypnotherapist you know um i'm and and because to me, you know, that, that really feels like being alive, being able to share those moments and being able to share something and experience as intimate and as seemingly wonderful as that. Um, and I mean, every client change, you get that same high from it as well. Absolutely. Here, here, absolutely. Here's, here's the guy who had not driven his car further than five miles from his home in like three or four years. And he shoots me uh, a, a selfie photo from his phone and emails it to me as he's standing outside of this church that he had not been to in years that he had just driven five hours to get to. Here's yeah. – many people have told the story, I finally had it happen to me, the person with a fear of small spaces. And there they are and in the elevator and they're bored. And they're wondering, did this work? And the answer is, <laughs> yeah. congratulations, that's how everybody else feels in elevators. Here's, here's the moment where it was a fear of needles, and you're getting the photos of the ultrasound because now that they got over that, now they're able to get pregnant as a couple and follow through with all the medical visits yeah. where we are changing people's lives and to really see the value of what's happening. And even back to... I mean, the moments where here's the event planner for a stage hypnosis event, similar to the previous story, in tears because she hasn't seen her father laugh like that since the mother passed away a dozen years ago, yeah. where all of this, all of this is therapeutic in nature. And to really see that value, it's where there doesn't need to be this line between the hypnotherapist to the stage hypnotist to the corporate speaker. We're all talking the same conversation here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, um, absolutely. Um, Jason, I, 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 if you could go back to when you started out as a hypnosis professional and, and knowing the stuff that you know now and being through the journey and the experience, is there anything you'd do differently at the start? And if so, um, what advice would the person you are today give that younger you? And would you, would you care to extend that or any other advice to hypnotherapists starting out today or, or, or looking to, to develop? today yes there's a and i'd reference the program that i do work smart hypnosis that yes. there's a there's a conversation with ron esslinger that we were talking and i'd ask the question about why do you think most hypnotists are kind of afraid of working with pain relief and his answer was just blunt and honest and beautiful and his answer was and paraphrasing it because they don't think it's going to work Hmm. which I heard as the they don't believe in their skills. They don't believe it's possible. So to really answer your question, I think from day one, there's something to be said about be your own best spokesperson. Yeah. Be your own best case study. And it's the being hypnotic as opposed to just doing hypnosis. And there there are some themes I will hit on in answering this that – some may take as a harsh criticism, though it's something to be said that these are things that I only now repeat because they have been voiced by my clients yeah. as well, uh, which uh, on one side, uh, we owe it to ourselves to be the most successful we can possibly be. Mm. That if here we are as that person who is a facilitator of change and 
to to work from this position where people can you know the tony robbins line of success leaves clues which is probably then modeled from somewhere else as so much Mm of great work is out there that uh from that mindset to be able to track the success records of even the individual where it's where a potential student a potential client calls me up and the statement may just be do a google search if you can only find information about that practitioner on their own website that's a bit of a red flag I think, and this is the slightly harsh criticism, and I only say it now because I was there and I've now changed it as I'm also looking at a photo of you as we're chatting here running a race. I just did a half marathon uh, last weekend. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Of that in many ways that as I began to be the part and also look the part as well, to to have that backstory, which – the back to the original question you would ask me the origin story example which everybody's so fascinated with this here's where i am now aspect to it so i mean in the last two years dropping a significant amount of weight and now focusing on endurance and strength training and being in a place now that in my in my mid-30s i am feeling healthier than i've ever felt before in my life and to say that statement of, I wish I had done those things earlier. So it's kind of outside of the category of hypnosis, yet it's going through some of these transformations of my own yeah. and recognizing these patterns of what it does take to produce change. Where, where my, my statement usually is that we're trained to believe that it takes 30 days to install a new behavior when I would say those people might not be using the best of methods. My turning point, my son Max was maybe less than a year old and I'm carrying him up the stairs as a small baby and I am out of breath. Mm. And it's a moment of going, well, this sucks. (laughs) And from that point forward, I mean, it was no effort to be the one waking up a few days early a week and going out and exercising. It became no effort to, um, the whole concept of snacking just doesn't make sense to me anymore. And I, and I did no specific work on that. That's that whole structure of change thing. And um, I, I refer to this aspect of being forced sobriety. I never had an issue with alcohol. I never really drank to excess. Yet just suddenly now anything beyond one beverage and I'm just falling asleep. Mm. Now, maybe it's age or maybe it's that whole structure of change thing. But again, it's that place of while the change process should not be a, hey, look what I've done. Hey, look what I can do. And you should do this too. There's something to be said about having all these experiences to model for the client. So really, I'm very satisfied with my arc of hypnosis training. Uh, Admittedly, there was a fun moment where my wife and I I'm a planner, and then I set aside the plans to then shotgun things and go off and make it happen, where I had set kind of this arc of I'm going to take this course and this course and this course, and that's about the time then fiancé, now wife, uh, basically going, hey, when we have kids, I'm not going to be able to take that much time away. Mm. And she agrees with that, and I go, okay, good. So I'm going to do everything (laughs) this year. So there's a fun moment when I'm doing trainings here at my office, and people are going, why are all the certificates from the same year? It's a moment of because I got it done when I could. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, it's more so of a personal response. I mean, there's, call it that sleight of mouth aspect of looking at things. 
where it just sticks out like a sore thumb now where people will say things around, well, this is why. And my gut reaction now, and respectfully, I may often keep it to myself, that moment of, well, that's not true. Well, that's not the case. Um, you're a runner. Uh, I almost didn't do this event this past weekend because the podiatrist said I had tendonitis and is giving me all these insoles and all these other strategies. And I hear that and think, let me test that out. It made my foot that was not hurt hurt more than the one that was actually hurt. And it was a moment of maybe I should just be stretching more. And uh, God bless foam rolling. And I went and often did the event and made a better time than I've ever made in the past. So it's that aspect of widening that perspective and noticing there's all these other options that are out there. And I wish I had done that earlier to kind of, you know, walk the talk of the of the hypnotic experience myself from a much earlier state. Mm. And and. You know, I think you are the first human being that I've ever encountered that has said those words, God bless foam rolling. <laughs> God, uh, 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 whereas I would say, God damn foam rolling. Yeah. Oh, um, it hurts. Um, um, ouch. Ouch. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. 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 Um, um, Jason, you've been incredibly generous with, with, with the information that you've been a bit been answering with today um, um and before we start before we start discussing anything else and and going into going into a bit more depth and, and having a professional discussion today just just tell our listeners where can people go to learn more about your work and your approach to hypnosis absolutely uh if you want to see the aspect of what i tend to be doing quote in my real life uh which would be the days of working with clients and interacting yeah. with a more local audience it's easy to remember i'm over in the united states i'm in virginia and i do hypnosis so i aptly named my business as well as my website virginia hypnosis virginia so to hypnosis. head over to virginiahypnosis.com that's the local practice that I run here that I'm yeah. actually sitting in right now and uh, recording before uh, next client gets here in about, about an hour and a half or so, uh, where I see typically about – I use the phrases uh, in the time BC, as we would often say with years, yet in my case, it's before children. Uh, I was typically yeah. seeing about 25 to 35 clients a week, and these days now I've compacted that down to a more focused schedule of – a maximum of 16 client sessions a week, four days, four a day, uh, and time in between just basically because, like you, just seeing clients is not the only thing I'm doing in hypnosis now, which yeah. brings me then into uh, the training aspect of it, which the easiest way to track me down there is uh, worksmarthypnosis.com. Uh, because I kept hearing this trend of people saying it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work. And there's the old adage of work smarter, not harder. And decided to brand that as my approach to things of being work smart hypnosis, which is also a podcast session, podcast series. You can find it on iTunes. You can listen to it on worksmarthypnosis.com. That's also the portal for all the training programs that I offer, whether it's Hypnotic Workers, which is the more hypnotherapeutic arm of my training, or indeed Hypnotic Business Systems, which is the business aspect of helping the hypnosis practitioner to be out there and get found and really run their business, as well as other trainings that I do. There's Hypnotize with Conviction, which is my take on hypnotic phenomenon and how to more consistently derive that from your client. I'm a, 
I'm a trainer for Sheila Granger with Virtual Gastric Band. There's information over there as well. And uh, really just do a search online for Jason Lynette. I'm, I'm a firm believer that we should be putting more video content out as a community, as hypnotists. And um, I, I've been given the credit of giving away more free information than most people in hypnosis have ever sold. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot <laughs> of video content that's out there, which it, it's wonderful from a client perspective. The client comes in and they've already been building rapport. They've already been building a relationship with us. And now we're just continuing that conversation. I did a presentation at the HypnoThoughts Live convention in Las Vegas back in uh, August 2015 that the story goes, I began with something that either could have come across as very pompous and arrogant or it could have driven the point home of my presentation. And luckily, the second was the outcome where my opening line was, raise your hand if you already know me. And every hand went up. And the response then was, good, because I'm here today to talk to you about the value of putting video on your website. And clearly it works. So it's how on virginiahypnosis.com, nearly every single page for all these various issues we may work with as hypnotists, there's information there with video talking directly to the potential client at their home and their office, their smartphone, whatever the device may be. On Work Smart Hypnosis, there's videos on nearly every single page explaining the information, guiding through the tutorials of what I'm either teaching or guiding through as well, or even the podcast. You can find it, of course, on iTunes and again, WorkSmartHypnosis.com. So um, I think the real statement is try and not find me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a business strategy of quote be everywhere. Um, um, and and there will be links to um to to, to the sites that Jason mentions there at this week's uh, episode page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Jason, for the for the time being, thank you very much indeed. We'll be right back with Jason Lynette in just a few moments' time. <music> really enjoyed that as i said we'll be back with jason for our professional discussion shortly um on to this week's hypnosis in the news then back to our typical format as far as that's concerned our first story this week is entitled this girl hypnotized her boyfriend and used her powers for the greater good So this is a video clip and a small article whereby a hypnotherapist introduces a girlfriend and boyfriend to hypnosis. Uh, He hypnotizes them both, puts the girlfriend in charge of the hypnosis session towards the end and and delivering the hypnosis suggestions. They're a really sweet couple and it's a pretty harmless article doing the rounds of the internet at the moment. The reason I mention it is because they make a big play on the final words of the girlfriend who, when asked how it was for her, hypnotizing her boyfriend, goes on to say, I felt powerful. And they repeat it at the end and have some fun with that part of the clip where she smiles in a sort of sweet but sinister fashion, I felt powerful. Um, What gets reinforced here within the clip is that hypnosis is some sort of way that one person does something 
to another. Uh, they, they intimate that hypnosis is virtually like someone animating and controlling another. Yet all the evidence you can read and research about hypnosis tends to suggest that hypnosis must be engaged in as a collaborative process. And, you know, the seminal paper by Hilgard in the 1960s that still bears up to scrutiny today suggests that hypnosis is more about the efforts and abilities of the subject. Um, it requires the recipient or the subject to engage in it, not be a passive recipient of it. It's something that just, you know, it's, it, it's not something that, that just gets wielded upon people. Hypnosis depends more upon the efforts and abilities of the subject than of the skill of the hypnotist, end of. Whilst it is a sweet clip, it gets a polite rejection letter from me as it perpetuates myth, which I guess is what makes for better and more entertaining clips in the minds of those who put them together, or perhaps it was just born out of ignorance of those compiling such clips. I would also pick up on the fact that uh, uh, the title of the, the article in the video, This Girl Hypnotised Her Boyfriend and Used Her Powers for the Greater Good. I'm unsure of how it was for the greater good that every time she said the word Charlie Chaplin, he did a mini seated uh, uh, tap dance. Uh, that's that, that's what she that's what she did to him. I can't understand how she used her powers for the greater good as a result of him doing a uh, a, a mini tap dance. Um, um, those of you that wish to share any insight with, with that I may have missed with regards to that, do do send in a message. Um, second story of the week. Uh, new mother, too scared to leave the house after horrific childbirth, claims severe agoraphobia was cured by just one hour of hypnotherapy. That's the title of uh, the article that featured in the Daily Mail newspaper. And this is a story about Leah Deering, 20-year-old who developed anxiety after going through a traumatic birth. And for six months, she was too terrified to leave her own house with her baby. She contacted a hypnotherapist who helped her overcome her anxieties. Um, um, so, yeah, the lady was trapped indoors by extreme agoraphobia. Um, um, and uh, the paper says that she claims she has finally been cured by a hypnotist in a session lasting just one hour. Um, um, deciding it was time to conquer her fears, she sought help from a hypnotherapist and said she was able to walk around her local shopping centre after just an hour-long session. Um, and she is quoted as saying, I started to feel really anxious just six weeks after giving birth. I felt as though I was struggling to breathe when outside, and it got so bad that I couldn't even cross a road. I began doing all my food shopping online, even though I lived opposite a big supermarket. I would rather pay the delivery charges than take one step outdoors. Doctors first thought I might have postnatal depression, but I was later diagnosed with agoraphobia. And she said that she was so desperate for help that she began researching online and contacted a hypnotherapist who helped her with the issue. And she, she's quoted also as saying, after six months of struggling, I got in touch in February and on April the 11th, we met up and he cured my agoraphobia. Within just one hour, I was outside. It's a miracle. I never imagined I would be talking, uh, I would be walking down the streets again. Um, and this is wonderful. And the article's worth taking a look at. And it's great news. I thought I'd offer up a celebratory story this time round. Um, um, but also, it's worth going and taking a look at the story online, not just because of the wonderful success um, that, it, that it demonstrates, but also because of the picture of the hypnotherapist's office. And uh, uh, he, his hypnosis wallpaper in his office is very impressive. And, and, and the fob watch that he uses to hypnotise uh, within the picture is very impressive too. Uh, well worth going and having a look at for those reasons alone. Links to these media stories are listed under this week's podcast entry on www.hypnosis-weekly.com.
Next up, uh, we have this week's professional discussion then. I welcome back Jason Linnett. When I asked Jason to please come and join me on this podcast, I also asked him if we could discuss his business development approach um, that, it, that is lauded. Jason has devoted a lot of time, put in place a number of systems and programs for hypnotherapists looking to develop their business. And in my experience, hypnotherapists are typically quite poor with their entrepreneurial skills and being able to develop a really quality business for themselves. So any help they can get is good, in my opinion. It's a subject we've not really touched upon for a while on Hypnosis Weekly, so I hope you'll find plenty of value here. Here is this week's professional discussion with Jason Lynette. Enjoy. So I'm delighted to be joined once again with um, by Jason Lynette. Um, one of the things that we, we discussed within the interview today was uh, some of the applications of business acumen, uh, entrepreneurial skills, business development um, that... that when Jason and I were, were were not recording, when we were speaking earlier today, I was telling him how impressed I was with, with what he does, the way he develops his business, the way he helps other people, other hypnotherapists to develop their business. Because certainly it's been my experience that hypnotherapists have been notoriously and typically quite poor at developing their business and really living the kind of life that they that they wish to lead and and you know attracting the, the right level of clients that they want to live the lifestyles that they want um um jason just just tell us a little bit first of all how did you develop your interest in in the business side of things and and how did you kind of stumble across the sort of solutions the sort of solutions that you now teach and share and so on in many ways, it kind of goes back to a question you had asked before about how would I have done things differently? Mm. And I think it goes to a phrase that I think I can credit Scott Sandlin to about if you were a hypnotist, what would you suggest to the hypnotic community? Uh, that I think he had asked me in a prompt at something uh, a few years back that I love that concept because in many ways – I would make this statement, and I and I say this with as little ego behind it as possible, though it could definitely be heard that way, that I can be at a convention, I can be somewhere talking about business applications for running our hypnosis uh, practices, and there are people who will immediately dismiss what I am talking about because, mm. quote, I am more interested in helping my clients than I am running a business. Right. And yeah. – my fair statement is the people who would have that opinion, the people who would be dismissive of the content that I share uh, are probably, not probably, are absolutely the people who need this information more than anyone else. Because to use our familiar NLP language strategies to unpack the violation of the meta model, that was a complex equivalence. Yeah. Uh, because I am interested in helping my clients, I can also run an outstanding business. So the hypnosis profession needing a good hypnotist, there I was leaving behind a full-time career and the local hypnotist at various meetups I was going to were telling me every reason why I shouldn't be doing that. Mm. Uh, that people won't come to you your first year in hypnosis. People won't send you referrals your first year in hypnosis. Uh, you shouldn't have quit the day job just yet. And 
to to put the hype behind the story that I feel it does deserve because it's absolute truth. Within the first month or two, I had a packed office, and these same people were then asking me, "How the hell are you doing that?" Yeah. <laughs> so it's where the tables begin to turn, and if if I can credit some of my upbringing, I did come from a family where everybody on everybody in my immediate family is an entrepreneur my my parents growing up were wedding photographers and the studio was built onto the back part of our house my grandfather did everything from owning a jewelry store to a pawn shop to various things such as that um so i came from a an upbringing where it was completely within the normal to go off and do something a little different and to to be that self inventor, that self made entrepreneur. That if I there's the actor comedian Kevin Pollack that he has a great line about if you're not creating, you're waiting. Yeah. Uh, of the mindset where I can very comfortably say, if I decide I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And that that was the conversation you and I were having before we jump back in here. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's that place of it's not so much of a moment of deciding, hey, this is going to be my niche. This is the thing people are going to know me for. It was something that I found I just naturally subscribed to and naturally was interested and did well with it and was getting results. And just as people began to ask me more and more about it, suddenly there I was at these very same meetings where people were telling me, People won't come to you during the winter months because um, you know they, they. It's a seasonal thing. They've already spent their money for uh, for the holidays and they can't afford you. No, December is typically my busiest month of the year. Mm. Oh, no one, no one will come to you for weight loss during the summer because they've looked at their beach body and they've decided I'm already fat. This is going to be it. And, and no, I see weight loss clients year round, e- even so far as and maybe I shoot myself in the foot on this one <laughs> because I. I don't do anything for the, let's go there, made-up holidays, such as in here, over here, we've got the Great American Smokeout, and I don't do any promotion for that, because I want you in my office quitting smoking, because you are ready to quit smoking today, not because someone told you that November 17th or 18th is some meaningful event. Now, even without these things, I still have a packed schedule, so in spite of my own opinions, it's still working quite well. So again, it wasn't quite a niche that I decided on. It's one that I really discovered along the way. And this is what's working for me. This is what's going well for me. So it's something that as the need was there, I began to respond to it more and more. The, um, uh, what, Originally was a one-hour presentation, turned into a three-hour workshop, turned into a one-day event, turned into something that I had released a few years back, which is no longer on the market, called Hypnosis Business Bootcamp. It's now rebranded and re-releasing as Hypnotic Business Systems. Uh, with the NGH a few years ago, I did a, uh, a series of webinars with them. That This is actually available on YouTube uh, mm-hmm. called Hypnotic uh, – what did we call it? Uh, the hypnotism success series. You can search that on YouTube. They're all still they're all still public there as well, as well as this year uh, at NG at Hypnothoughts Live. I'm doing a pre conference hypnotic business mastery, which is a live two day event. Uh, hypnoticbusinessmastery.com. So the aspect of it again, the the main core of it though is that complex equivalence that people want to hang that shingle off of. They want to hang that self-limiting belief up and proudly stand behind it. 
that I'm more interested in helping my clients than I am running a business, to which typically the interaction then turns into the question of how many clients are they actually seeing? Mm. And to then find out that they maybe are struggling to actually get people in the door. And here I am, I'm about to head out of town tomorrow for a friend's wedding, and I already know that next week is fully booked with new clients coming in. Most of them have already paid for their services. The week after, here's a class that launches, and it's a full class with people paying full price for the event. Um, here I am, actually this morning, we did the official relaunch of Work Smart Hypnosis, and the product's now rolling out once again of the digital access things. And to be there, and I mention these to say that here I am in my client session later today, here I am with some calls that I know need to be returned, and to operate from a place of sorting my clients into either being ready or not yet ready. Mm is a much better place to be filtering the realities around me rather than, gosh, I need someone to pay me this week. Yeah. So to be there in the interaction with my client, so no, the opposite is the case. Mm. Because things are comfortable, because things are working really well in the business side of things, I've become a much better hypnotist as Absolutely. a result of that. And I mean, you, you talk to anybody... And I, I'd often end a hypnosis training by using the phrase of, you've all been duped. I sold you a training course. You've just signed up and you've just completed education. The real training occurs as you go out there and you're actually using this stuff, as you're actually working with people and seeing the results, whether it's the sage hypnotist, whether it's the hypnotherapist. And unless you have the strategies to get that button, that chair, to actually work with them, you've got a very expensive hobby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I'm, you know, uh, th 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 this is music to my ears and it's, um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of things that really echo my own sentiments that you've, that you've said there that, that, um, you know, I, I tend to think when you when your business is going well as well and, and you are energized, you, you're much more inclined to do your best work to 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 be to be motivated and driven with the people and uh, you know being perceived as credible driven and good at what you do is 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 essential for for business you know for business owners to 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 be referred and and so on so um um Jason, would you would you be kind enough to to perhaps share um, 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 one of the one of the sort of themes of of or one of the sort of central components that you think is is important to developing uh, your business as a hypnotherapist? Absolutely. In many ways, people are. My whole thing is about building systems, and building systems does not necessarily mean that I say the exact same things to everybody. This is me playing the game of uh, naysaying any critics I may have out there. Because uh, at one time I was talking about the system of how I navigate my phone consultation. I I convert my clients at a very high dollar amount on the phone, and it's a call that takes typically about eight or nine minutes. Yeah. And I've had people then give the criticism without actually seeing the content that, uh, oh, I would never read a script to my client on the phone, which, no, I'm not. Or, <laughs> yeah. uh, or I would never rush somebody to make a decision. And again, no, I'm not. Uh, yeah. There's a beautiful moment. I love the cultural aspect of Monty Python's Life of Brian, mm -hmm. where people were protesting the movie. 
and they had never seen it. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of those moments where you've got to you've got to actually see what it is before you can. Con- We've got way too many armchairs in this yeah. uh, in this profession. So walk the talk, actually do these things. So the aspect of building systems comes down to the idea of building a replicatable model that you call me because you want to quit smoking. And I've got a roadmap with various if-then style strategies of how I can then begin to talk with you and navigate through that process. You call me because you want to rebook some corporate event for entertainment or some sort of talk or presentation or coaching workshop. And again, to look at it all in terms of systems, of what are the aspects of this, rather than just kind of blindly talking about something and hope it works. So it's where my philosophical, ethical guideline is always, I will only ever teach things to my students, whether it's business, whether it's hypnotherapy, that I've actually done myself. Right, yeah. Rather than, oh, I heard this person talk about this strategy, test it out. No, I'm going to talk about what I've done. So the biggest system to address is in many ways the aspect of relationship management that far too many hypnotists are working through a business model that is based upon something we would typically in the business world refer to as uh, as direct response marketing mm. which would basically be the guy who stands up and says I have this thing to sell you who wants to buy it mm. nobody thanks for your time and he leaves and that's the end of it as opposed to what I really put forth as the style of what's called lead generation marketing, which metaphorically as well as physically, it's these moments where people get to raise their hand and say, I'm interested. And then we really begin to, like a funnel, spend our time only really with those people who have already expressed an interest in our service. So it's that phrase of when you work to sell to everybody, you end up selling to nobody. So the aspect of, and you can see seeds of this planted all over my content, Uh, you go to virginiahypnosis.com and there's a whole interaction series that people can request about quitting smoking. And as people interact with that, I know what at what point in that digital interaction they're then going to pick up the phone and then come into my office. If you look at some of the training content, very often I'll do something called a video test drive experience, which in many ways is all about building that rapport, building that relationship. And then once they pick up the phone and call with a credit card in hand or they fill out the sales form on the website, the relationship is already established. You you go to worksmarthypnosis.com. And here is a mini course that I offer for free called Go Deep, and it's all about deepening strategies, which, I mean, obviously, that is then going to result down the line with some sort of offer for a training program, uh, which I'm really not out there just out there saying, here's my training program. Who wants it? Instead, I am only it's, – it's what in business is often referred to as a secret sales system that rather than being like everybody else – It's where my pride at times is sometimes being at a hypnosis convention with the emptiest table, yet the biggest sales, Mm. because the relationship has already been established, which relationship, it doesn't mean that 
maybe I am a household name and people are talking about me, but at the same time, look at the romantic relationships we may be a part of. You did not approach the woman who is the mother of your children and say, you and I are going to be together one day and we're going to name our children this. Because <laughs> that would have been creepy. <laughs> there's, there's an appropriate courting process of really, it's where the more that I teach, the more that I learn, the more that I interact with a business community, oddly enough, the better of a hypnosis practitioner I become. Because you're always navigating a person from a state of challenge to a state of solution. Change is change. Whether they're signing up for a course, whether they're quitting smoking or losing weight, or whether they're learning from me how to navigate social media in a way that actually makes dollars show up in the bank. Mm. You know, it's all the same interaction. I, I, I've been recently playing with the metaphor of the birthday party clown who does balloon animals. Hey, kid, I can make you any animal you want, so long as it looks like a dog or a snake. <laughs> that in many ways, it's the same interaction over and over. So one of the principles that I stand behind, and this is a place of unpacking some limiting beliefs, yeah. that, and this is not just hypnotists, this is all over, that people would say, that doesn't work. That my, my idiom has become, it's very rarely the platform and it's almost always the strategy mm. where I mentioned marketing on Facebook. And I, I have been – you can find a social media rant that I put up on my YouTube channel where I'm responding to someone who is fighting with me. Uh, and it's a beautiful moment because they're arguing themselves into a corner. Well, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I'm showing screenshots that are going – no, clearly it's it's working, and I think here's why, and I'm trying to guide, and I eventually just decide to put up the video post and just to say, here's my last word on this. Yeah. But they were so passionate about arguing why something doesn't work when hypnotically speaking, personally speaking, Phyllis, everything speaking, I would much rather you step off to the side and go, how do I make that work better? Mm. So it's from that perspective that... We can look at people would say print media is dead. And no, when you approach it from the right strategy, let me get the Dave Elman, uh, by, bypassing critical factors of the mind. The initial step of a Dave Elman induction is the opening wedge into hypnosis. The small muscle catalepsy of relax your eyelids to the place where they just won't work, test them, satisfy yourself. Click this button because you're interested in learning how to get your clients deeper in hypnosis, the foot's in the door. Mm. Uh, interact with this video test drive experience to learn what it's like to take my class before you even take my class, the foot's in the door. Mm. And it's a much easier interaction now, which brings in the bold statement that even in 2016, we could be running a massively successful business even without a website even without all the crazy technical things we can pull off these days. Yeah. Because it always comes back to building that relationship, having the systems in place where, what do you want, kid, a dog or a snake? Once you learn how to even get up in front of a group of people, whether it's some sort of civic group, some sort of business group, and just simply talk about hypnosis – and get those people raising their hands who are interested in learning more, and then only deliver your sales message to those people. 
It's the same strategy whether you're doing Facebook, whether you're doing Twitter, whether you're doing some sort of email sequence. Business is business. Change is change. We're always navigating a person again from a place of challenge to a place of solution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I was I was so engaged in listening to that that um, um, as as is very often the case on this podcast, I forgot I was running the podcast um, <laughs> um, and I was busy. I was busy being at one of your seminars for a moment there, Jason. Um, um, well, I'd say as a as a fellow podcast host, uh, I think we'd all be in a better position to strike the word interview from <laughs> yeah. conversations and really just say we're, we're capturing a conversation yeah it's yeah, two absolutely. like-minded individuals talking about something we're both passionate about absolutely uh, which is which is um, um made all the more relevant i think um um by the very nature of some of the things that you're talking about you, you know developing relationships building and and communicating and so on i remember um um being told by my own coach, you know, over a decade ago, um, that I needed to to spend more time actually developing my business, but by, by having conversations and by engaging with people. And um, you know, I speak to a lot of hypnotherapists, and I say to them, you know, how many people have you spoken to? How many people have you actually directly engaged with this week? You know, i.e., not not just sat behind your website expecting stuff to land in your lap. Um, I'm, Which and, the and, best theme? Oh, oh go ahead. Yeah, and, and I was just going to say, and very, very few people are, are, are having real life human interaction. Which to also look at it in terms of systems, we can subdivide everything that could potentially bring in money as either an active strategy or a passive strategy. Yeah. And very honestly, the passive strategy stuff is the sexiest thing. It is the most fun thing. I mean, I woke up this morning and someone had signed up for one of my online courses. And and here I am about to hop into an airplane to fly out to Kansas tomorrow. And there's an extra $700 in my bank account that I wasn't planning on being there. Yeah, That is awesome. Yet I'm just as excited about my client coming in in about 45 minutes that is a brand new client and is going to be paying me at the point of service. So... The real thing to point out, though, is let's recognize that passive income is a bit of a myth in one small way, and it's because it has to begin very active for it ever to eventually become passive. You don't just wake up one day and suddenly this project is done. I mean, the, the relaunch of Work Smart Hypnosis has been three months running of hiring one designer, firing that one. Uh, I basically rehired every aspect of my team, even down to the person who edits my podcast. Uh, It's entirely a brand new team, so it was a little slower than originally planned due to a learning curve. And teaching people how to outsource properly is something that I think is something the hypnosis profession really, really needs. There's people who look at what I do. Yeah, they look at what I do and say, but I'm not a computer person. And Exactly. I I had a moment at the NGH convention last year where I talked through the, the, the funnel of what happened in a webinar that I did that that generated about $30,000 of profit. And it all led to the moment at the end to go, does anyone here know how to do what I just talked about? And no one (laughs) raised their hand. And the honest moment was responding, good, because I don't either. Let me now talk to you about outsourcing. (laughs) Because here's where it's, it's the, not to place myself on the same category, but I think it's an Albert Einstein quote about, 
I may not be the smartest man in the room, but I know to ask the questions that no one else is asking. Yeah. And the question at times needs to be, who do I need to find that knows how to do this? Exactly. Exactly. So it's where my favorite piece of outsourcing instruction is, quote, make me one like this. The, The back to the active and passive strategies, everything has to begin as an active strategy. And indeed, the videos that are on Virginia hypnosis, the content of what I'm talking about, these are things that I didn't just sit down and nerd out and type on my computer and script out and turn on the camera and record. These are things that I have workshopped over the last several years on the phone with clients, getting up and giving presentations in my local community, getting out there and it's that boots on the ground moment of being out there in my community. So as much as you can look at the stuff that I share and yes, here's this Facebook retargeting thing that if you're not making use of and you have an online presence at all, oh my God, is this beautiful. And it is Mm -hmm. a completely, it's a completely competition free way of building an online presence, which is beautiful. And even without that off to the side though, I'm the first one to tell you to get out into your community and talk about what you do, whether it's network marketing, like a chamber of commerce or a business networking international, uh, or just simply getting out there and talking about hypnosis, whether it's giving presentations for businesses, for religious groups, for, uh, for civic groups, we've got rotary, we've got all these different things because that's where you really begin to finesse your message Kind of like me discovering the the business niche, that's where you really tap into, oh, this is what I do well. This is what I should be doing. And it's only then once you start to realize there's aspects of what you're doing that are then systematic in nature that you then should begin to package it in some sort of format where only then it becomes passive. Mm. Because it's only at that place where where my passive strategies were then over. I am not currently doing anything active to bring in business for Virginia hypnosis. Mm -hmm. It is now in a place where people are finding the website. They're interacting with my thousands of past clients and they're just tracking me down. The phone rings every single day. My schedule is full and I'm about to raise my rates again. And that's without anything active. Mm -hmm. Now that's only happening after years and years of doing all this active stuff, which what will I do if, if I ever move? Well, I now know the systems, the same systems that I teach. I would simply re-engage with once again. Okay, let me schedule some talks. Let me go to some business meetings. Let me craft my elevator speech in the format that I train it. Let me begin to build these relationships with referral sources with the systems that I previously had established before. Where back up, it's the same moment to bring it back to the hypnosis conversation. You're doing a Dave Elman induction, and as I pick up this hand, let the arm be loose, limp, and lazy, if you pick up their hand and they're helping you out, you don't go, I'm sorry, you cannot be hypnotized, you have to go home now. <laughs> no. We, we back up, we deepen, we give further instruction, and then we re-enter the moment, and now we get the result. So it's where should, for whatever reason, knocking on wood, should the phone stop ringing for whatever reason, okay, I know what to do to get the phone out there again. Should suddenly I start to have an issue with something, to have the systems in place. If I decided to, I'm not actively building my stage hypnosis business these days, and yet I still do a couple of dozen programs a year. 
yet if that was something I wanted to bump up, I know the marketing streams that I've used before. I would just simply re-engage them, maybe fold in some new technical elements that I'm aware of. And it's only then after this active this active strategy of building this stuff does this stuff ever become passive. So it's the line of uh, we had a television uh, sketch comedy show over here uh, that people like uh, Jamie Foxx, uh, Jim Carrey came out of called In Living Color. And there was a sketch one time all about the uh, the the uh, toll-free call 900 number uh, telephone psychics. And the moment was someone gave feedback of, my psychic told me I'd win the lottery and quit my job. Today I quit my job. I'm halfway there. <laughs> where where people are people are starting on the wrong aspect of their business. So I think it's where I find the importance of teaching people the sequencing of where they should start, where their sh- where their focus should be first. Yeah. Because I, I've got a guy in my local area, well, not in my local area, in a in a nearby region that is underserved by qualified hypnotists. And it's been four years now, and I cannot refer him any business because every time I run into him, well, I'm working on getting the website up and running. Yeah. And it's just not ready yeah. yet. There, there is no excuse in 2016 to not have something up there. It has never been easier. It has Quite never right. been cheaper uh, to, to get something at least up there. I mean, I'll give everybody a strategy right now. Shoot a video with your smartphone. Put it up on YouTube. Buy a website domain and make it forward to that video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And that video needs to be two, three minutes. Hi, my name is Jason Lynette, and I'm a hypnotist, and I specialize in helping people create personal change. The process begins with your free confidential consultation. So give me a call. Here's my number. I look forward to speaking with you soon. Yeah. You can knock that out in 30 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, And while that's up there, you could then be building something else behind the scenes and then point it elsewhere later. And if you don't know how to do that, to borrow the words of Mark Carlin, find a teenager who knows how to do it for you. Yeah, Or outsource it. Go on Upwork, go to Fiverr, get someone to do a quick task, and you're set. You know, this mindset of I'm not ready yet, we can always have something out there. There's no excuse to have nothing out there. And if the phone isn't ringing... Get out into your community. Talk about what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, what- and you know, we, we are communicators as well. Yes. You know, we don't have to go out there and start selling ourselves. We need to, you know, offer value, serve, and and be be enthusiastic and and be ourselves and connect with other people and you know have interaction. And I think. Um, um, you know, it really resonates with me a lot of what you've said today. Um, um, Jason, um, the message uh, I share the message on that has always been: let me get out into my community and passionately represent hypnosis. And by accident, that's going to get me a lot of clients. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, Though at the same time, having the 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 mindset of the right sequencing of the language to have the mindset about how do we navigate them through the sales process. Uh, one of the big things that I tend to put forth is that of building systems, which again, to sort people as being either ready or not ready yet yeah. is an example where I'm looking at um, my client later on this afternoon is someone I'm looking at his name and he's been on my mailing list for about a year. Yeah. And today's the first time he's now coming in. Yeah. Why? Because he, when he called me 
I don't know, March last year, he probably wasn't in a place of being ready yet. And there's something beautiful about being able to ask a client respectfully, hey, you filled out a form on my website in March last year, and I called you three times, and you never returned my call, yet here you are calling me today. So to kick this off properly, what's different now? Yeah. And whatever answer you get to that is everything you should be working on with that individual. It is going to give you the roadmap of what you need to know to help that client. Yeah, yeah, um, um, absolutely. Um, Jason, I-, I could just go on and on, um, and we'll have to we'll have to invite you back uh, in a future show um, and, and and ask you more stuff. Um, um, where can people go? Just, just just remind us once again. Where can people go to learn more about your approach to to business development, as far as a, a hypnotherapy is concerned? Absolutely. If you head over to worksmarthypnosis.com, everything is is over there from various podcast sessions that introduce some themes uh, and a bit of a fun thing. Many of the previous sessions have little offers attached to them of resources you can download. Like there's one where I actually did a bit of a coaching call uh, with a woman out in Canada that she was about to do a health fair. And just for about an hour or so, we just workshopped all sorts of strategies she could use. And as we were chatting, it was the moment of, well, here's what I used. Here's what I used. And we made those resources available to people as well. Uh, Also, um, right now, my two primary training programs online uh, hypnotic workers, which uh, that's a term that I've borrowed from the magic community of uh, a gentleman by the name of Michael Close had a whole thing of uh, called workers, yeah. uh, which I, I, I segregate that now because there's a lot of people that are training hypnosis, but they're not doing hypnosis. Yeah. So to highlight the people that are workers, so uh, that's the program that's all about how to do hypnosis. And then as well, the, uh, the online version of Hypnotic Business Systems, which is basically the brain dump of everything in, in terms of my hypnosis business practices. Right now, these programs are invitation only, so you can click the training page over on Work Smart Hypnosis and click the links and get on the waiting list for when we open those up to the general public. Though at the moment, this year, August 2016, I'm going to be pre-convention at HypnoThoughts Live with a two-day event, Hypnotic Business Mastery, uh, which is hypnoticbusinessmastery.com, which the cool thing about that of doing it as a live event is that there's going to be several hot seat opportunities of really workshopping these strategies, brainstorming these things. And again, it's that pattern of it's not the platform, it's the strategy. How do we make that work better? So I'd encourage people to head over to Work Smart Hypnosis, interact with the sessions, get on the waiting list for hypnotic workers, the waiting list for hypnotic business systems, and you'll be the first to know as we open up spaces for that. They're, they're communities rather than just products is the whole reason why I do it in that format. Or join me live, hang out in Vegas uh, at Hypnotic Business Mastery. That's going to be pre-convention at uh, HypnoThoughts Live, uh, hypnoticbusinessmastery.com, which all of this links off of Work Smart Hypnosis. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, um, and as I said earlier, there's going to be uh, a link to, uh, to Work Smart Hypnosis um, uh, on, on this page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, Jason, thank you ever so much for being so generous with your time, information and enthusiasm. Um, um, it's been wonderful having you on Hypnosis Weekly. Absolutely. Great chatting with you. 
I thoroughly enjoyed that discussion. Some really useful information there. There's a link to the website of Jason Lynette over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Go check them out. Um, so on to this week's evidence-based hypnosis factoid of the week. In a, a prestigious study conducted by Lang and colleagues back in the year 2000, hypnosis was found to reduce stress um, and pain within surgery better than the control groups it was being measured against, which were standard care and structured attention. So that's our fact of the week. Hypnosis was found to reduce distress and pain within surgery better than control groups. And this is wonderful stuff. This study was so well constructed and designed that it featured in the Lancet, which is very rare for a hypnosis study to make it into such a prestigious and well-considered journal. And there's a link to the Lancet journal entry for this study at the episode's page, at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, Go have a read at that. I do have many more exciting guests that I'll be welcoming to Hypnosis Weekly in the coming weeks. I have a couple of titans of the hypnosis field, and I also have some people with very differing stances to mine. Ooh, we'll be discussing, debating, celebrating, and above all, remaining friends. And to repeat, all the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. Next time out, I welcome the award-winning Canadian hypnotherapist that is Ines Simpson, currently touring the world, presenting her Simpson Protocol. I caught up with her in Hamburg and got to talk all things superconscious in next week's show. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, suggestions and questions, so do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website. I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. And please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else and really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks again to Jason Lynette. My thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. (laughs) 